Legendary cigar master Manuel Casada celebrates a special birthday with a very special cigar. Cigar connoisseurs in the state of Delaware, good news coming your way. Tax relief. The People's Republic of California considering a criminal fine and jail time for offering a straw? And Elon Musk going after Twitter. Grab your popcorn. It should be one interesting movie. The Cigar Dave Show is presented by Gurkha, the world's finest cigars, including the new Gurkha Revenant, the five-country fusion of exceptionally aged tobaccos, will immediately jumpstart your senses for a cigar journey that only Gurkha can deliver. Offered in both Corojo and Maduro presentations. Fire up a new Gurkha Revenant today. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. And by Davidoff of Geneva and their Avo portfolio of cigars, including the Avo Heritage. Crafted through centuries of traditions, Avo Heritage was developed for the cigar connoisseur seeking a fuller-bodied cigar with strength, complexity, and impeccable smoothness. Savor every note of the spice-laden Avo Heritage. Available at DavidoffGeneva.com. This is the Cigar Dave Show. With the general. And very special happy Passover greetings and happy Easter greetings and salutations. Very big weekend. Passover, Easter, all culminating at the same time. And whatever holiday you celebrate, we hope that you certainly enjoy it. As always, it is your global five-star general alpha male in chief, Cigar Dave, front and center. Command Center Alpha, Humidor 1A in the Cigar City. And as always, I extend a long-ash snappy salute, Semper Delictatio. Always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. Save America. As always, we gather together to enjoy great Alpha male broadcast camaraderie. And of course, some of the great pleasures that being an Alpha male provide, including cigars, spirits, delicacies, steaks, all the attributes that the enemies of pleasure absolutely despise us for. But do we care? And the answer is no. When I started the predecessor to the Cigar Dave show, it was called Smoke This. I started in July of 1995. I was invited down to the Greycliff Hotel and Cigar Factory in December. Actually, it was around November or December of 1995 for a special cigar dinner featuring, at the time, Cuban cigars. Actually, the Great Cliff Cigar Factory is not there. It was the Great Cliff Restaurant. And the Garzaroli family were throwing a very special cigar night. And uh, I received a call from Jack and Jim Bennington, Bennington tobacconist uh, of Longboat Key near Sarasota in Florida and also in Boca Raton. They were involved with the dinner, and they wanted me to attend as a guest. So went down there. But before I went down... I had a long layover to go from Tampa to Miami and then Miami to the Bahamas. So I had such a long layover that I said, it was on a Saturday night, so I flew early in the morning, and I did my show at the time for my, my affiliate in Miami, 610WIOD. And at the time, I remember calling Oscar Baruchin of Mike's Cigars. And I said, Oscar, and I'd met uh, Oscar, and I said, I'm going to be down in Miami. I'm going to be 
conducting my show from WIOD, and then I'm heading over later in the afternoon down to Nassau in the Bahamas for this big cigar dinner. But I'd love for you to meet me at WIOD and to talk cigars because Mike Cigars, legendary in the cigar business, retailer that's been around for easily over 50, 60 years. Oscar bought the business from the original Mike, Mike Cigars. And I'd gotten to know Oscar, and he said, sure, I'd love to do it. So I think we were doing, obviously we were doing the show, I think it was noon to one at the time. I think we were just one hour. Or maybe we had gone, no, we went to two hours. So it was two hours at the time, because in September of 1995, went to two hours. So he shows up around 11.45, and there's a gentleman with him, and he said, Dave, I hope you don't mind. I've been meeting with Manuel Casada of... Mat- uh, Matassa Cigars, at the time it was called Matassa, manufacturers uh, de- uh, to tobacco, which made the Fonseca cigars. And he said, I hope you don't mind me bringing him. I told him I'm coming in, and he's with me. And I said, absolutely, extremely excited. Loved his cigars, loved Fonseca. I had never met Manuel. And from that day forward, we became very good acquaintances. I've been on the show many, many times. One of the great gentleman in the world of cigars. He's a great cigar blender, knows tobacco, knows blending, just a wonderful personality. And in fact, whenever he describes cigars, I'll say, Manuel, tell me about this cigar. And he's got a big, deep, rich voice. I always said, Manuel, if you ever want to fill in for me during or for hosting maneuvers, all yours. And whenever we talk about a different cigars, he would say, General, this particular cigar has a little bit more personality. And I've always used that because that's a great, when you think about describing a cigar, mild, medium, or full, you could say this cigar's got a little bit more personality, a little bit more personality on the spicy front, on the richness, on the flavor front. And then one of his favorite expressions whenever I'd see him, Manuel, how are you? I'm up to my ass in alligators. So whenever I see Manuel, I say, Manuel, let me guess, you're up to your ass in alligators. And he said, General, that is correct. But Manuel is one of the great people in the cigar industry, along with his uh, daughters, truly a family operation. And I've really, it's been a pleasure to get to know Manuel. And we have a tradition that whenever I would see him at one of the cigar retailers conventions, Fonseca being one of the classic Cuban brands that they owned and they, they make in the Dominican Republic, he would always have Fonseca bin number 27 port to celebrate and to toast on day one of the Cigar Retailers Convention. So I would always stop, no matter what I was doing, recording shows, making the rounds, I always had it on my list. Day one, I have to stop at the Casada Cigar Booth to see Manuel Casada, see the Casada family, and he and I would always grab a glass of Fonseca Bin 27, and we would toast to a great year and to great happiness and health in the upcoming year. Long tradition. We still carried it forward. So I've known Manuel now for 27 years. He just celebrated, this is hard to believe, his 75th birthday. It really is absolutely uh, amazing to me because when I think of Manuel, he's got so much energy and he still, to me, appears young. And he is, he is a young 75. But I met Manuel when he was in his late 40s. I was 31 when I started the show. So we have clearly matured together. But he is, for his 75th anniversary, 
He is doing something very special. Now, for his 70th birthday, he came out with a special cigar. But he just turned 75 this week, earlier this week. And in honor of his birthday, he is he has created the Manolo Casada 75th anniversary, a six and three quarter by 48 size cigar. So it's a cross between a Toro and a Churchill. It features an Ecuadorian Corojo wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, fillers from the Dominican Republic and Nicaragua. As Manuel would say, General, this Manolo Casada 75th anniversary is going to have a major amount of personality. You start with the Ecuadorian Corojo wrapper, that's going to have some flavor. The Nicaraguan binder, fillers from the uh, from the Dominican Nicaragua. So you, I assume it's going to have some strength, it's going to have some sweetness. But whatever Manuel Casada makes, you can be sure it is absolutely incredibly smooth. It is properly aged. Manuel, in a press release, said, I've been fortunate, very fortunate and blessed to have worked in the tobacco world for 63 years and for 48 years on the cigar manufacturing side of the industry. Surprised as I was, I have celebrated my 75th birthday on April 10th, and as I did on my 70th birthday, I have blended a cigar to mark reaching this meaningful stage of my life. The cigar will be released this summer at the Premium Cigar Association Convention and Trade Show in Las Vegas. Suggested retail, $15 per cigars or per cigar. There will be a grand total of 1,200 numbered boxes of cigars, from 1 to 1,200, a total of uh, 10 cigars in each box, grand total of 12,000 sticks. So if you see a Manola Casada 75th anniversary, my suggestion, you better grab it. Very interesting story about the Casada family. They trace their roots back to Cuba, like many cigar families do. But they began as tobacco brokers beginning in the late 1800s. And, of course, when that commie pinko bastard Fidel Castro nationalized many of the industries in Cuba, including the cigar industry, they fled Cuba and left for Miami. Manuel was 13 at the time. He settled in Miami along with his mother, his siblings, and later his father. At the time, his father was helping to establish the company's new business in the Dominican Republic. They needed a place to grow cigar tobaccos. While Manuel was in college, he was selected for the draft. Now, he was not a U.S. citizen, but he chose to go to Vietnam, and because of his service at Vietnam, he was able to become an American citizen. So he paid his dues. And whenever I see him, I always give him a salute, and I say, Manuel, we thank you for your service. And in fact, on Veterans Day, quite often I will feature a Casada cigar because of Manuel's service in the United States Army. Now, in June 1974, the Casada family set up Manufactura de Tabacos, Matasa, with $100 and a chair. Three-roller operation took the Casadas from a family of tobacco growers and brokers now into the manufacturing side of the business. And he made cigars for many others. In fact, he was one, he made the original Romeo y Julieta cigar uh, way back when it was distributed with a company out of California before Altadas ended up acquiring it. 
And then he, of course, launched the Fonseca cigar, the Casada bearing his name, and Casa Magna, which has been a home run. Uh, and that cigar has been made in Central America, in Honduras or Nicaragua. So Manuel Casada, a very happy birthday, one of the greats in the world of cigars. And I can tell you, whenever I see him, we just we always have a cigar together. We have our glass of Fonseca Bin 27, and that's really what cigars are all about. You and I gather on a weekly basis. We've been doing it. Some of you go way back to 27 years ago when I began, when I started the show with one hour, with one station in the cigar city of Tampa. Some of you followed along a year later, two years, five later, ten years later. But the one thing that we have in common, that whenever I conduct alpha male cigar and pleasure maneuvers, it is always about the camaraderie. And I don't care whether you are lighting a cigar and you go to a cigar store and you don't nobody, or you are amongst friends, the cigar has the ability to transcend. You may not know anybody walking into a cigar store or a cigar lounge. And then by the end of your time there, you will have made acquaintances. And that is why I always tell people, carry an extra cigar. You will never regret having an extra cigar. You never know who you will run into. As an example, this has got to be, geez, 20 years ago. I was at an event in Washington, D.C. I'm running late for my flight because of traffic. I'm at the Hertz counter. That was before you'd pull up and there would be somebody with a little mobile you know, handheld computer and they would check you out and you'd be on the way to the gate or the bus. This was, you'd have to wait in line at the counter. So I'm waiting in line and I'm looking at my watch and all of a sudden, guy behind me says, you look worried, you look like you're running late for a flight. Before I could even turn around, I said, that voice sounds familiar. Who was it? The great Willard Scott, the longtime weatherman on the NBC Today Show, one of the great personalities in the world of broadcasting. And I said, Willard, I said, actually, I am. I'm really running late. I said, I got a flight back to Tampa. And before I could finish, he goes, oh, Tampa, great cigars. And I said, Willard, you like cigars? He said, love them. I said, hold on a second. Opened up my briefcase, and of course, I have plenty of extra cigars. And I gave him some cigars, some Questeray 1884s that the Newmans of J.C. Newman Cigar had given me. And he goes, oh, these are one of my favorites. I said, well, the owners of of J.C. Newman Cigars are good friends of mine. They're celebrating their 100th birthday. Well, lo and behold, Willard says, listen, why don't you give me your rental agreement? I'll be happy to return it. And I'm saying to myself, if you can't trust Willard Scott, who can you trust? Now, if it's somebody else that you don't know, but most of the people that are in line, like if somebody was running late, I'd do the same. I'll like, give me your keys, no problem. I'll hand it in. And if you have an e now you have an email address, you take a picture, you can send them the receipt. But at the time, there was really no email. I said, Willard, if I can't trust you, who can we trust? I said, I really appreciate it. And I gave him the cigars. He's like, oh, my gosh. I said, you know, Willard, I do this show on cigars and the cigar. I'd love to have you on. He gave me his home number. He gave me not just his home number in Washington, but his home number down in Fort Myers. And I said, I'm definitely going to call you. And sure enough, I get back to Tampa. And... I get the receipt in the mail a few days later. So I'm like, listen, Willard Scott came through for me, and I call Eric Newman, and I said, Eric, listen, I'm in line. 
at the Hertz counter in Washington, at Washington National Airport. I'm running late. The guy behind me says, you look like you're running late. I'll be happy to return your, your rental agreement so you don't miss your flight. And I said, it's Willard Scott. And lo and behold, he loves cigars. When I gave him some Questeray 1884s, he went nuts. He said, oh, I love these. One of my favorites. And I said, Willard, you know, they're going to be celebrating their 100th anniversary. Remember, Willard would always do the 100th birthday of people sponsored by Smuckers. He'd say, and we'd like to say a very happy 100th anniversary to Janie Jones out in Dubuque. Look at how beautiful she looks. And there's Russell Smith. Boy, does he look spry from, you know, uh, uh, Ishpeming, Michigan, was a farmer for 49 years. Well, I tell Eric this, and he ends up dictating a letter to Willard Scott, sends it to him uh, in New York at the Today Show, along with cigars and a Questeray T-shirt, and talking about the history of the cigar, or history of the company, and and he said, I, you ran into Cigar Dave, and he mentioned you love cigars. Well, lo and behold, a couple of weeks later, there is Willard Scott after wishing all these people a happy 100th birthday, saying, and by the way, a happy 100th birthday to J.C. Newman Cigars in the Cigar City of Tampa, Florida. Bobby, Eric, and Stanford Newman, they've been making great cigars for over 100 years, family-owned business. So, of course, everybody went crazy. I called Eric, and he said, I didn't, I didn't watch it, but I heard. So you just never know. You always want to have cigars. And, and going back to my point, talking about Manuel Casada, the relationship that I developed initially, thanks to the late Oscar Baruchin, may he rest in peace, that here's over a cigar. I had him on the show, and we've become really lifelong acquaintances for the last 27 years. I'm standing in line. I have a cigar. Willard Scott bails me out. This is why I tell you, always carry extra cigars because you never know who you're going to run into, a celebrity or somebody, a business acquaintance. Maybe it's somebody that could turn into a big account for you, depending on what your business is. Or if you're a lawyer or an accountant, maybe they become a client all over a cigar. Moral of the story, the cigar is one of the greatest social networking tools ever to be created. We talk about social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. What was the original social media? I'll tell you what it was. It was a cigar shared by two people. Two people conversing. Not electronically, not via text, not via email, not by phone. One-on-one, in person, sharing a cigar. Cigars are the ultimate social media. Always carry extra cigars. You never know who you're going to run into and how it can benefit you. And here it was. Now, would Willard Scott have returned my car if I didn't have a cigar? Absolutely. He was just a real gentleman, a mensch all the way. But when I gave him the cigar, that was like, boom. And then I immediately said, can I get you on the show? I figured he said, yeah, here's my secretary's number. No, here's my, here's my home number, and here's my, my home number down. And I'd love to be on your show. We had him on the show. May Willard rest in peace. Another great personality. So good news. Always carry a cigar because you never know how it's going to help you. Now, speaking of good news, in the state of Delaware, the home state of Joseph Robinette Biden, who on earth would name their kid Robinette? I mean, talk about a wussified beta name. And now that I think about it, when you look at Biden, yeah, he's a wussified beta. 
everything Joe Biden touches turns to shit. The economy, the border, foreign relations, crime, you name it. He touches it, goes to hell. But the Delaware Senate last June passed Senate Bill 131 to reduce the tax on premium cigars from 30% to 15%. Now, is 15% too high? You better believe it. But it's a hell of a lot better than 30%. And the bill then went to the House. So the House, Delaware's House Committee on Revenue and Finance, approved the Senate Bill 131 by a 10-to-2 margin, again, cutting the state's tax rate for premium cigars from its current 30% down to 15%. Here is the definition they use for premium cigars, slightly different than the uh, FDA, but with the same intent. The cigar, including the filler, wrapper, and binder, is made of 100% leaf tobacco. The cigar is hand-rolled. And lastly, the cigar contains no filter or tip or mouthpiece consisting of a material other than tobacco or any additional flavoring. So the cigars that we enjoy, they don't have a tip. They're hand-rolled. The wrapper, filler, binder, 100% leaf tobacco. There's no homogenized uh, a wrapper, meaning it's pulverized and created into a sheet. That's how they make the wrapper for mass-market cigars. For many mass market, not all of them, but the Swisher Sweets, the Havatampas, the Phillies, they use a homogenized tobacco leaf. So the good news is, those of you that are fellow cigar connoisseurs, in Delaware, it looks as if the tax rate going down from 30 to 15%. The House will most likely uh, pass this bill. Then it heads to Governor John Carney's desk. If passed, it would go into effect October 1st. And the reason that Delaware looked at reducing the tax is very simple. Because many of the surrounding states, Pennsylvania, for example, has no tax on premium cigars. Why is that? Well, Pennsylvania is similar to the cigar state of Florida. Pennsylvania had, for many, many years, has been a big growing area for tobacco. There is a, a Pennsylvania Maduro a wrapper that has grown in the state of Pennsylvania. There were many Phillies. The name Phillies, where do you think that came from? Phillies were made in Philadelphia, Philly cigars. So P- Pennsylvania's had a very long history with cigars and cigar tobacco, similar to Florida, so there is no excise tax on premium cigars in Pennsylvania. And Maryland's tax is more competitive than in Delaware. I think their tax is 15% as well. So Delaware, to be competitive and gain more tax, by lowering the tax, they actually bring in more tax revenue. So let me give you a quick example. A cigar that has a manufacturer's suggested retail, let's just say of nine and a half bucks, with the current state 30% excise tax, it runs about 12 and a half bucks. That price will lower to just under $11 with the 15% tax. Still higher than it should be, but far lower than what it was. So that is good news. Those of you that are cigar connoisseurs in the state of Delaware, tax rate coming down, although with Pennsylvania having zero tax, I'm sure many people in Delaware 
who do business in Pennsylvania or may take a little trip or a day trip to Pennsylvania will purchase their cigars there because with zero tax, that does add up to significant savings when you buy a box or two of cigars. So good news in Delaware. I always like to start the Cigar Dave show with good news. That is always the goal. Happy news, good news. We've got holidays this weekend. Manolo Casada celebrated his 75th birthday earlier this week, launching a special cigar in commemoration of that milestone. And the state of Delaware House Committee on Revenue and Finance has approved reducing the tax on cigars. Now it goes to the full house where it should pass, and it should get into the hands of the governor, who will most likely sign that, and your tax rate goes down. All three good news items on this Passover and Easter weekend. The International Cigar Litation and Libation Ceremony on this holiday weekend comes your way next. Question I receive most from connoisseurs. General, what is the newest cigar that I should try? Easy answer. Right now, it's the Gurkha Revenant. Very unique addition to the Gurkha portfolio. It comes in two different wrappers, a Corojo or a San Andrean Maduro wrapper. But what is unique about the Gurkha Revenant? It uses essentially the same Cameroon binder and some broadleaf in the filler. So you're going to get some unique sweetness. You're going to get some unique spice. The San Andres Maduro wrapper adds more sweetness with a little bit more of a unique complexion, whereas the Corojo, more of a medium-bodied balanced smoke. Try one of each. You can't go wrong. The brand-new Gurkha Revenant, available in Corojo and San Andres Maduro wrapper. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. With an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy, it's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. We started the show discussing the 75th birthday of Manuel Casada and the special cigar that he is going to launch this summer to commemorate that big life milestone. So it is only appropriate on the International Cigar Litation and Libation Ceremony that we feature a cigar and spirit connected to Manuel Casada. So first, I've selected the Casada 1974 cigar. 1974 was a big year for the Casada family. That is the year they emerged as cigar manufacturers after many years in the cigar industry as leaf brokers. And to create a cigar worthy of that special milestone, Manuel Casada created a nice, medium-bodied cigar. The cigar, first of all, uses a combination of Dominican and Nicaraguan fillers, so that is a nice, medium-bodied, nice notes of cedar, pepper, fruity, almost on the palate. A very lovely cigar, no doubt about it. Additionally, when you look at the wrapper of this cigar, it is a Colorado-type wrapper. It is a pristine, oily Ecuadorian wrapper. So it has a very nice sheen to it. It is a Colorado, meaning it is a nice tan color. And the Casada 1974 is available in four sizes. A Lancero, very unusual. That's a Panatella, seven inches in length with a 38 ring gauge. A Corona. Six inches in length with a 43 ring gauge, a 5x50 Robusto, and a 4x50 
short Robusto. So they went with some classic sizes. You don't see very many Lanceros, not overly popular, but I have selected the Lancero. It's long, it's elegant, seven inches in length, 38 ring gauge. What does that mean? 38 64ths of an inch in diameter. So it is just over a half inch. It is a long, slim cigar. Again, uses a beautiful Ecuadorian wrapper, Dominican Nicaraguan fillers. This is going to be medium, and as Manuel Casada would say, General, this cigar will have some nice, rich personality, but it won't knock you down. So the Casada 1974, my cigar selection today. Cigar-altering and highly sharpened leaf-exposing device. Well, before I tell you about my leaf-exposing device, I forgot to mention the suggested retail of the cigar. And you're looking roughly in the 8 to $9 category. So very reasonably priced. It is a beautiful-looking cigar. That's what I will enjoy. I have my self-sharpening double-edged stainless steel guillotine ready to go. Maximum BTU flame-throwing and heat-producing apparatus. From the Cigar Dave R&D Laboratories, the guys that wear the white lab coats, white pocket protectors, I have the Cigar Dave Five Star. This is a litation device that has five jet flames arranged in the shape of a pentagon. Translucent tank. I can see I've got about 80%. I filled it earlier this week. Has a built-in cigar piercer right on the bottom. And in fact, that's what I'm going to use. Ah, no, actually, I will use the, the guillotine. But it does have a piercer that would be beautiful to cut this panatella. That, uh, again, you just use it. It looks like a little bullet cut. When you're done, you release. Boom. And the cap that you took out comes flying out. Very elegant design. Adjustable flame. Feels like a grenade, but it's very light. Not very heavy. But most of this is tank with filled with butane. So you get a ton of litation uh, of cigars without having to refill. Nice little feature. Cigar, Cigar pre-litation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two, one. Perfect cut on my Casada 1974 Lancero. Let me toast the foot. This is not going to take long with a 38 ring gauge. This is not like a Magnum 60 or 54. Toasting the wrapper first, this Ecuadorian wrapper. All right, now I'm toasting the foot of the cigar, the filler, and I puff and rotate. Mmm, nice flavor, nice raw. Mmm, mmm. Mmm, wow. Tell you, it does not take long to light at all as I blow on the foot of the cigar, even amber glow. Again, with a major litation device with five jet butane flames and a 38 ring gauge on a Lancero, did not take long to light up this Casada 1974. It is indeed a beauty. As I take several puffs here, mm. Mm -hmm. a little peppery, a little cedar. Nice medium flavor, but again, it's not overpowering. Mm, a little bit of creaminess. Mm -hmm. Wonderful aroma. Fantastic. So my Casada 1974 is now lit. 
Now I need something to properly accompany this beautiful stick. Scotch, bourbon, and beer. Commence thirst-quenching libationary maneuvers. As we started the show, I told you it is a tradition at the cigar retailers conventions that on the first day I head over to the Casada cigar booth. I scope out Manuel Casada and I say, Manuel, it's time for our tradition. And he says, General, I'm ready for you. And he pulls out a bottle of Fonseca. We each uh, have a glass. We do a toast. We light a cigar to good health and to great happiness and to another great year. And that's how we start the tradition of the annual Cigar Retailers Convention. And it's been going on for, geez, 20, I want to say 25 years or so, 26 years. So I have pulled out a bottle of Fonseca. Now, why Fonseca? Well, one of the Cuban brands that the Casada family owned down in Cuba, or acquired in Cuba, trademark that was not registered in the United States, it's Fonseca. An original Cuban brand always tended to be a mild-bodied cigar for many years. Manuel's Fonseca was mild, creamy, great starter cigar. And then along the way, he started to add more heft, more personality. And so now there's a number of fantastic Fonsecas. So it was the original Fonseca, and then he started adding some other brands as well. And now he's really gone away from Fonseca. In fact, I believe that he has sold the Fonseca a brand to uh, my father's cigars. But for many years, Fonseca, staple, that was their flagship. So even though they don't make the Fonseca anymore, he sold the brand nonetheless. Fonseca Bin 27. It is a tradition, and that's what I will enjoy today for my libation. Now, this is... Fonseca's been making ports for many, many years. They've got wood-aged ports. They've got bottle-aged ports. This is part of the wood-aged port series, bin number 27. This is full-bodied. This is fruity. It's aged for at least, I think, three, four years. It was launched in Britain 50 years ago, around 1972. At the time, the market for port was undergoing a very significant change. Consumers becoming more knowledgeable, more demanding in their selections. They didn't want young ports. They wanted more sophisticated, more distinctive, more aged ports. And so consequently, Fonseca came up with bin 27. Now this is a deep ruby color, very intense fruit. Let me say cheers here. There we go. Mmm. Mm-hmm. Sweetness, some blackberry notes, plum aromas, spice. Take another sip. Mm. Just a luscious finish. Can't go wrong. And if you know nothing about port, buy a bottle of bin, Fonseca bin number 27. You won't go wrong. You're looking at between 17 and 20 bucks a bottle. It's not going to break the bank. It really is. Fantastic. And it's primarily produced from Fonseca's own quintas in Simacorgo. So it's very, very consistent. The same depth of color, the same fruity character. Spends four years. I knew it was more than three. Four years in large wood vats prior to bottling. And I'll tell you, this definitely does improve with age. No doubt about it. As I take another sip. 
I say cheers to Manuel Casada. Happy 75th birthday to great health, great happiness, and many more birthdays. When we return, the enemies of pleasure are rearing their ugly heads once again in the People's Republic of California. I had the pleasure of knowing the late, great Avo Uvesian, the man behind the Avo lineup of cigars. And Avo had a great saying. He would tell me, savor every note. Well, one cigar that I can tell you, you will savor every puff, savor every note, is the Avo Heritage. It was developed for the cigar connoisseur seeking a fuller-bodied cigar. Strength, complexity, impeccable smoothness, nice notes of spice. If you are looking for a cigar that delivers... Full-bodied richness, impeccable smoothness, savor every note of the spice-laden Avo heritage. Available at DavidoffGeneva.com. The enemies of pleasure are on the attack. The assault is underway. They're after your cigars, sodas, snacks, coffee, meat, and the alpha male way of life. Stand by as the general has our marching Cigars, meat, pleasure, now they are going after straws. Now, we have known for a number of years that plastic straws are evil. They want to replace them with these paper straws that disintegrate after about 10 seconds. They're the worst. They've got a horrible texture on your mouth and on your lips. They disintegrate after about 15 seconds. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about my mouth on one of those things. It's like eating a peach. I can't eat peaches. Nectarines only for me. Can't have that peach fuzz. I mean, I got the hair standing on my arms already thinking about it. Well, in California, a number of years ago, it was about five years ago, there was a campaign that was started by a kid named Milo Cress. And Milo was nine years old at the time, and he was doing a school project. And he came up with the idea that we need to eliminate straws, plastic straws, because too many straws are being used. And once again, they're saying straws are ending up at the bottom of the ocean, which is all fabricated nonsense. So he comes up with this 500 million cigars a day figure. And the next thing you know, the Libstream media is reporting it in every newspaper, every TV outlet, everywhere you go. 500 million cigars, cigars, 500 million plastic straws are consumed every day in the United States, and it leads to tremendous waste, and, and it's just not good for the climate and the environment and all the usual nonsensical, nonsensical babble they, they provide. Well... When he was finally asked, nobody decided to say, where did you get that $500 million a day, Milo? Well, when he was pressed on it, he ended up admitting that it was basically a number pulled out of thin air. He said he, did, he came up with that figure after calling various straw manufacturers in 2011. So this goes back actually 11 years ago. So in 2011, he called cigar, straw manufacturers and by his deduction, by the number of sales or whatever, he came up that with this phony figure that there were 500 million straws consumed per day. Fabricated figure, not true, no basis in fact, but what happens? It goes viral. The enemies of 
pleasure in the libstream media, in government, the Birkenstock-wearing, tutti-frutti, crunchy granola types all start talking about the fact that there's 500 million plastic cigars ever. Why do I keep saying cigars? 500 million plastic straws every day that are being consumed and thrown away. And so what happens? He starts a campaign to get rid of plastic straws, saying they end up in the waterways and in the oceans, even though there's no evidence of that being the case. And it wasn't enough that he and other environmentalist whack jobs convinced many restaurants to switch from plastic straws to paper straws. I know numerous restaurants here in the Cigar City of Tampa, and I tell them, do me a favor, bring me about 10, pl- 10 of those paper straws because after two minutes I'm going to have to change it. Every time you look around, these environmental nutcase wackos are trying to interfere with our daily lives. Plastic forks and utensils now are evil. In the state of Washington, they're outlawing, uh, outlawing the use of plastic forks and knives and utensils when restaurants stick them in for takeout. They have to use some other, some other phony material. We're seeing California doing the same thing, numerous cities. Well, now the Democrat majority leader in the California House of Representatives, Ian Calderon, has proposed a bill that would make it illegal for waiters or waitresses to offer unsolicited plastic straws to guests, to patrons, unless... The patrons specifically request one. So if they drop off, if a server drops off a Diet Coke and an iced tea, they can no longer, under this bill, this potential bill, they can no longer just put a straw by your side. Now, no word if it's just plastic or any type of straw. You can't put a straw unsolicited under the rules of this proposed legislation. But wait there's more as they criminalize a waiter or waitress offering a straw, plastic straw it is actually, unsolicited. They could face up to six months in jail and a $1,000 fine for each occurrence. Now I want you to think about that for a second. We are now criminalizing, I shouldn't say we, the People's Republic of California dipshit Democrats are trying to criminalize waiters, waitresses, servers for offering a plastic straw with a beverage unsolicited. Now, they have decriminalized marijuana. You can have marijuana, no problem. Buy your weed, get high, have at it. But now, all of a sudden, they're going to criminalize offering a plastic straw unsolicited? Six months in jail? A $1,000 fine? What police officer in their right mind, would even consider uh, even the thought of arresting a server for witnessing them placing an unsolicited plastic straw next to the beverage of a customer. Can you imagine a cop going, excuse me, I hate to say this, but I did witness you violating the law. You left a plastic straw 
next to beverage. They did not ask for one. You're under arrest. You have the right to remain silent. Whatever you say can and will be used against you. You have the right to an attorney. If you cannot afford an attorney, an attorney will be provided. We're now going to read servers their Miranda rights because they violated the law by offering an unsolicited plastic straw. Can you imagine the judge sitting there saying, well, I hate to do this, but this is now your third violation. I'm ordering you six months in jail and a $3,000 fine. This country has gone simply lunatic wacko. These Democrat politicians, everything that is wrong with this country can be traced to one political party. The Democrats, the Socialists, the Liberals, because they're all the same. Now, I know some of you email me saying, General, listen, I'm a Democrat. I don't agree with you on this. Well, let me tell you, do you agree that a straw should be criminalized? Providing a straw to a customer unsolicited should be a criminal offense. They should be taken away in handcuffs, put in a police cruiser, booked, fingerprinted, mugshotted, spend a night in jail until they can raise bail. Is this not absurd? This country, under these absolute evil dictatorial Democrats, they have lost all sense of reality. And he said, we need to create awareness around the issue of one-time-use plastic straws and its detrimental effects on our landfills, waterways, and oceans. Are you kidding me? We need to create awareness and criminalize a straw? St. Louis Obispo and Davis, California, both passed straw-on-request laws last year. Manhattan Beach maintains a prohibition on all disposable plastics. Seattle, as I mentioned, food service businesses not allowed to offer plastic straws or utensils as of last July. The L.A. Times has gotten in on the act. They endorsed straws-on-request policies in an editorial that warned that repetitive sucking may cause or exacerbate wrinkles on the lips or around the mouth. That's their rationale to try to convince people not to use plastic straws? Excessive sucking? I'll tell you what's excessive sucking. These nutcase Democrats who want to interfere in our lives in every imaginable way interfere in our lives to the most simplest and basic details with no regard for common sense. None. And again, here's a kid, 2011. At the time he was nine years old, does a school project comes up with this cockamamie number that we use 500 million plastic straws a day. I don't buy it. The population is 350 million cigars. I keep calling cigars. I don't know why I keep, I keep saying this over and over. 350 million straws. I must have said cigars. Um, I know I said it up tea time, and I don't know why, because I'm looking at this cigar, this incredible Casada 1974, and I want to keep smoking it. Mm, that gives me pleasure. And I'm not worried about if I get any lines around my lips because I'm puffing on a cigar. So there are 350 million people in the United States. You got babies that don't use straws. You got other people. I don't use straws every day. I don't buy the 500 million. It's a fabricated figure. It is TF 
BS. Totally fabricated bullshit. But again, it's like Greta Thunberg. The kid is nine years old. Oh, how cute. He called some of the straw companies and they, because he now deduces by what they said they sell that there's 500 million cigars used per day. It's fabricated bullshit. And criminalizing unsolicited straws, isn't that a little excessive? Isn't that just, not a bit, tremendously over the top? And yet here we see all the violent crime taking place in California. Look at all the jewelry stores and the upscale stores getting robbed. There are 17 gags I just read two days ago. There are 17 street gangs in Los Angeles that are now targeting wealthy individuals in Southern California, Beverly Hills, Hollywood, Brentwood, all the upscale areas. They're following their expensive cars, and then when they pull in their house, they rob them at gunpoint, take their jewelry, take their watches, take money, whatever, and then they resell it on the black market. In a way, it's karma. All these Hollywood and Southern California elitist liberals the ones saying we need to eliminate bail and we need to be much more lenient on crime. These are the same people now where the chickens have come home to roost. Do I have any sympathy for any of these Hollywood and Beverly Hills libs that are now getting a taste of karma? Not one shred. Not one iota. No sympathy whatsoever. Is it a crime? Should it not happen? It should not. These people should be arrested. But the L.A. police are now saying, well, don't, don't wear anything expensive. That's their answer? Crime is rampant, but don't. And now you've got cops that are saying, hey, look, we've got all these politicians, these dem politicians that are going after us, that if we go after a violent criminal, oh, we're going to be called for excessive force. And if something happens and we have to taser or shoot someone, oh, there's our career and we go to jail. This country has gotten more fucked up under the ultra-liberal Democrats over the last 50 years, the root of all evil over the last 50 years in this country can be traced to one political party. Now, don't get me wrong. The Republicans have had their moments. When they've been in power, they've screwed it up. And we've got Mitch McConnell, Marble Mouth Mitch. And we had Paul Ryan as a speaker, another zero, another swamp rat. Kevin McCarthy's no better. But when you look at all the issues that have taken place the last 50 years, illegal immigration, crime, huge welfare, it lay right at the hands of the Democrats. And so too is the crime problem. And if you think the crime problem is going to get any better with an open border, a rampant open border with more gangs coming through, and as President Trump would say, bad hombres, it's going to get worse. And what are they worried about in the People's Republic of California? What is California Speaker of the House Ian Calderon worried about? He's worried about a waiter or server offering an unsolicited plastic straw with a beverage. That's his biggest worry. Don't worry about $7 gas in California. Don't worry about excessive taxation. Don't worry about your tax base and wealthy tax base getting the hell out of California. No, let's worry about a server trying to make a living 
facing a potential criminal fine and jail time if they offer an unsolicited plastic straw. It really is true. The loonies, the crazies, are running the government asylum. And in California, Exhibit A, Speaker of the House Ian Calderon, a $1,000 fine and six months in jail proposed for a waiter or waitress or server that offers an unsolicited plastic straw. Now, I can see them going up and down about illegal guns, but now, illegal straws. It's amazing how farcical and comical they look, and they're so farcical they don't even realize they are literally buffoons of themselves. They become caricatures of themselves. That's how stupid they are. When they look in the mirror, they don't even realize they are looking at an absolute joke at a buffoon. California, as far as I'm concerned, let's go along the border, let's plant dynamite right along the state border, you know, right along the entire border all the way up, blast that dynamite, setting off a rippling effect whereby there would be a major earthquake and what would happen is the entire state would drift to sea. Mexico, you want California, be my guest. You want it to drift at sea? Fine. Because every nutcase, every lunatic, every lousy policy always originates in the People's Republic of California. Talking about nutcases. A woman, more like crunchy granola woman, who is with the animal rights group Direct Action Everywhere, DXE, glued herself to the basketball court during a Los Angeles Clippers-Minnesota Timberwolves play-in game, a playoff play-in game. Literally glued herself to the floor. On-court protests, glued herself to the target center floor during the second quarter this past Tuesday night. And the woman's name, do I have the woman's name here? Wait a minute, yes. Uh, Nope, I do not have the woman's name. However, apparently the reason that she felt compelled to glue herself to the floor with 3.34 to go in the first half was in response to the treatment of chickens at Minnesota Timberwolves owner Glenn Taylor's farm. The woman's shirt read, Glenn Taylor roasts animals alive. Well, there was an outbreak of bird flu. There has been throughout the Midwest. And the way that you have to get rid of that bird flu is you've got to whack every chicken. That's the only way. And so, 5.3 million chickens were killed on his one of his farms, which they raise chickens, they lay eggs, following the outbreak of bird flu at Taylor's Iowa Egg Factory. This isn't just the Timberwolves owner. Numerous farmers, because of this, the only way to eradicate it is you got to whack every chicken. Sad, but true. So they are protesting the mass execution of all these chickens. Now, to me, if this woman would have glued herself, what I would have said is, sweetheart, you got two choices. You better pull real hard, or we're just going to cut your hands off, 
And then what we're going to do is we'll cut it right at the wrist, and then we're just going to take a little little saw, and we're going to get rid of that glue right underneath, and then we're going to fix up the cord. So you decide. Either start pulling, be cooperative, or your wrists are, we're going to chop your hands off at the wrists. That's what I would have done. Now, I don't know how it was resolved. Apparently, it was resolved. But these are the nutcase wackos that we see. These PETA people, all these other people that don't want you eating steak or meat. They want to be vegetarians and be miserable. Be my guest. Don't make me miserable. Don't make us miserable. First night of Passover last night, cigar mother, Pierre and cigar sister Lynn made a delicious brisket. Meat. I know many people on Easter, they're going to either have some sort of meat, they're going to have ham. I know other people that, that uh, do a uh, leg of lamb, others do a, uh, a prime rib, but there will be meat served on this Passover and Easter weekend. No tofu. Command Center Alpha and the Pleasure Palace are no tofu zones. Fully 100% meat zones. That's the way it should be. All right, lastly, the Libs, the Dems, they are up in arms. They are jumping up and down at Twitter. They are just apoplectic. They're ready to commit suicide. They're ready to cut their, just shoot themselves, hang themselves. Why? Because Elon Musk, it started about a week ago, a week and a half ago, where he purchased very quietly. 9.2% of Twitter became the largest single shareholder of Twitter. The company offered him a board seat, but as part of the board seat, he had to agree not to acquire more than 15% of the shares of the stock of Twitter. He also couldn't disparage the company. He couldn't come up with his own suggestions. They wanted to essentially put golden handcuffs on Elon Musk. That was not going to work. And he had a change of heart. And on Thursday morning, we awoke to the news that Elon Musk had offered to take Twitter private in a $43 billion purchase. Musk sent a filed with the Securities and Exchange Commission an amendment to Schedule 13D slash A. And essentially, whenever somebody wants to acquire more than 5%, they have to file a, a statement with the SEC. And if there's any material changes, he must do that. And, of course, he did that to follow the law. And in it, it's about a seven, eight-page filing, but he sends a letter that it's included, Exhibit B, to Brett Taylor, chairman of the board of Twitter. And he says, I invested in Twitter as I believe in its potential to be the platform for free speech around the globe. And I believe free speech is a societal imperative for a functioning democracy. However... Since making my investment, I now realize the company will neither thrive nor serve the societal imperative in its current form. Twitter needs to be transformed as a private company. As a result, I am offering to buy 100% of Twitter for $54.20 per share in cash, a 54% premium over the day before I began investing in Twitter, and a 38% premium over the day before my investment was publicly announced. My offer is my best and final offer, and if it is not accepted, I would need to reconsider my position as a shareholder. Twitter has extraordinary potential. I will unlock it. Signed, Elon Musk. Now, of course, the libs, 
not only the CEO, but the Swamp Rat Libs who control the engineers, the sensors, all the executives at Twitter, they are nothing more than a branch of the Biden regime. And if you don't think that the Democrats, the Biden regime, and the Washington, D.C. swamp is not worried over Elon Musk acquiring Twitter, think again. Because Twitter, for all practical purposes, has served at the beck and call of the Democrats. They did so by censoring conservatives, by censoring Republicans during not only the 2020 election, but they have done so in the 20, or correction, in the 20, let's see, wait a minute, 2020 election, and they're continuing to do it. And they will do it in 2022, if not stopped. On Monday, this past Monday, Elon Musk was going to have a town hall meeting with all the employees. He canceled it. But employees, of course, were just, they were tweeting themselves. If I am sick about this. I can't concentrate. I'm nauseated. I feel ill. I'm mentally ill over this. And that if he comes in, then I'm quitting. Great. Quit. Bye-bye. So he canceled the town hall, and Twitter said, well, because it's so emotionally draining for all the employees of what has taken place the last week, we'll give, you, we'll give Monday a day of rest. These are adults, people. These are adults, but they need a day of rest. Most of them still haven't reported back to Twitter headquarters. They're still working remotely. They don't want to come back. And so you have now an offer to the board. The board's responsibility is not to the employees. I mean, it is and it isn't. But their fiduciary responsibility is solely to the shareholders. Now, sure, they have to look to the employees, but it is to the shareholders. Now, as of... Yesterday, the stock was trading still at a 17% premium, or, or, or the uh, Elon Musk offer was still a 17% premium to where the stock was trading. It bounced up earlier this week, then it came back down. One of the large shareholders, now remember, Elon Musk is the largest shareholder, but one of the other large shareholders. Saudi Prince Al-Walid bin Talal, major Twitter shareholder. I don't know his percentage. He tweeted, the offer wasn't close to the company's value, and this is exactly what he tweeted. I don't believe that the proposed offer by Elon Musk at $54.20 comes close to the intrinsic value of Twitter given its growth prospects. Being one of the largest and long-term shareholders of Twitter, I reject this offer. Well, he can reject this offer, but here's the reality. Twitter hit a peak about four years ago at around 84 bucks a share. Around four months ago, five months ago, it hit a peak of 80 bucks a share. It's now trading around, I think, 47 bucks a share. The company is worth whatever the last person is willing to pay for it. And right now, the stock market, the public, values Twitter at $47, I think, an 84 cents a share. Let's just call it 48 bucks a share. So significantly less, 17% less than the offer Elon Musk has made to acquire the entire company. Now, the board can go out and say, great, well, we'll seek other offers. Well, let's see who else is going to match that. I don't see anybody else coming to do that. Now, the board can reject it, but then you're going to have a tremendous number of shareholders saying, well, not so fast. You know what? That's a significant premium, and I want to sell. 
the, the, the board has the absolute responsibility solely for the shareholders. Now, if they think they can get 60 or 70 or 80 a share, then great. Go seek it. The reality is I don't think they'll get that. Do I see Microsoft coming in and buying them? Well, possibly. Could Apple buy them? Possibly. Would they offer that kind of money? They have the money. The question is, would they just throw it around with a ridiculously high offer? I don't think so. And so even though Prince Al-Walid bin Talal says the offer wasn't close to the company's value, the intrinsic value, well, what is the intrinsic value? The intrinsic value is whatever somebody's worth willing to pay. I, know, I love people that say, well, you know what? I bought this piece of property for $100,000, but I'm not selling it for less than 400000 well, you can say that all you want, that it's worth that. But if nobody's willing to pay you 400000 the maximum you could get, let's say, is 150000 that's what your property's worth. Now, in 100 years, could Twitter be worth more than 80 bucks? Maybe. Right now, it hasn't been anywhere near that. And, of course, you have the ultra-libs that are going absolutely crazy. Article in Business Insider, left-leaning publication. Elon Musk's attempt to buy Twitter represents a chilling new threat. A billionaire trolls taking over, or billionaire trolls taking over social media. This is exactly how they're framing it. What do we hear the Democrats say? If the Republicans win an election, it's a threat to democracy. No, it's not. If a Republican wins an election, that is democracy in action. Because the populace population doesn't want Democrats voted in, that doesn't mean there's a threat to democracy. It means that the majority of the population believes that Republicans would do a better job than Democrats. Is that a threat to democracy? No. But when Democrats say Republicans winning is a threat to democracy, what they are really saying is it's a threat to the Democrat Party and to the Democrats. And so when you hear Elon Musk's attempt to buy Twitter represents a chilling new threat, they're saying, oh, it's chilling to free speech. To the opposite. He will encourage free speech. It is the censors, the lib censors at Twitter, who have, over the past two years, maybe longer, they have shadow banned conservatives' tweets. Health experts, doctors, known virologists, epidemiologists, noted from Yale, from Stanford, they have been blocked and they have been banned. Why? Because during the Wuhan virus pandemic, they suggested other methods of, of treating patients besides the, the vaccine. When medical professionals have said, we need to be careful, there could be major side effects. Oh, you're immediately banned. That is censorship. And so Elon Musk, now because of his unsolicited offer to take Twitter private, the libs, the Dems, they're the ones freaking out. Oh, it's a chilling threat. Lynette Lopez, who wrote this Business Insider article, says, Believe what you want about Elon Musk's flashbang takeover attempt of Twitter. But for the love of God, don't fall for the story that he's some crusader on behalf of free speech. Musk is not a free speech advocate. He has never been. He's an advocate of speech without consequences. These are two very different things. The right to speech as outlined in the U.S. Constitution is a guarantee that the government cannot infringe on your right to be heard. It has nothing to do with how private companies like Twitter enforce rules around speech on their platforms. 
nor does it have anything to do with whether or not your fellow citizens can get mad at you for what you say. Well, let's stop right there. The Constitution does indeed guarantee that the government cannot infringe on our rights of speech. All these social media platforms operate under Section 230 of government code. And that says that as a publisher, they're not a publisher, they simply relay people's thoughts. So a newspaper can be sued for libel and slander. But the social media companies, Facebook and Twitter, Instagram, have said, no, we don't, we are not publishers because we don't limit what people say. Well, they have now limited what people say. They are publishers. They are censoring. They should be subject to laws, to fines, to be able to be sued, especially when people are taken off. Because let's face it, it has become the town square. When Twitter was created, initially Jack Dorsey just wanted something like a text messaging system to make it easy. Well, he created a behemoth, a monster. In fact, I suggest to you one of the reasons Jack Dorsey left was because he saw the shit show inside of Twitter, that he could not control people's, especially the liberal employees' actions on censoring those they disagree with. Isn't it amazing? Liberals never get censored. Democrats never get censored. We see the, the, the mullahs of Iran calling for the destruction of Israel and America. They never get censored. Yet somebody that says, hey, I think that vaccine may have some side effects, or I think we could treat this with ivermectin, boom, censored. You're done. President Trump, the second he was not, uh, the election was over, and of course we know he won. We all know he won. We won't get into that. And what happens when you say, I think the election was rigged? Oh, that's mis- that's disinformation. We're going to we're going to ban you. We're going to cancel you. People can't have that opinion. Damn right, they can have that opinion. Democrats have that opinion all the time. They bitch and moan about elections constantly when they lose to a Republican. Yet they're never shadow banned. They're never canceled. Don't confuse the Democrats saying that. Republicans, if they win, are a threat to democracy. That Elon Musk is a threat to free speech and democracy. Don't buy that. Proof is in the pudding. Let's take a listen. TED Talk on Thursday in Vancouver. Elon Musk was asked about why he wants to purchase Twitter and maybe what he would do with it. Take a listen. Why make that offer? Oh, so, um, well, I think it's very important for uh, there to be an inclusive arena for free speech, uh, where all, so, uh, yeah. Um, Twitter has become kind of the de facto town square. Um, So uh, it's just really important that people have the, both the the reality and the perception uh, that they are able to speak freely within the bounds of the law. Um, And, you know, so one of the things that I believe Twitter should do is open source the algorithm um, and make any changes uh, to people's tweets. You know, if they're emphasized or de-emphasized, uh, that action should be made apparent so you can, anyone can see that that action has been taken. So there's, there's no sort of behind-the-scenes um, manipulation, either algorithmically or manually. Um, yeah. but- 
And that's exactly what there is. There is algorithmic manipulation. Conservatives' tweets don't get sent out. They're shadow banned. They get censored. They get cut off from the platform. They're canceled. Is it so evil that Elon Musk says, look, unless somebody's threatening to kill someone or threatening violence, then let people speak. If that means you disagree with vaccines, if that means you're for vaccines, if that means that you point out there are maybe some other treatment methods for the Wuhan virus, or if President Trump wants to tweet out his opinion, that is what Twitter was created, to be the town square. But remember, the class of people that work at many of these high-tech companies, they tend to be young, California, they skew ultra-left, they're the crunchy granola, Birkenstock-wearing type of individuals, They have a natural bias. And of course they're going to exercise that bias. I will guarantee you, the first person that had, if Elon Musk acquires Twitter, takes it private, the CEO will be gone. He is an, he's originally from India, engineer by trade, and when Jack Dorsey stepped down, they named this gentleman, who was I think their director of engineering or platform engineering, to be the CEO. And he came straight out. He didn't even hide it and say, we have the absolute right to censor, and we will censor. Came right out and admitted it. Didn't lie. Democrats didn't say a word. They're all in favor of it. Republicans are pissed. Anybody that believes in the First Amendment, the Constitution, is pissed because they are abridging free speech, and they are interjecting themselves in politics, just like Zuckerberg, fuck Zuck, He and his wife interjected themselves to the tune of $400 million in local elections, buying machines, running, putting their own operatives in various municipalities to run the election. Wisconsin, Green Bay, perfect example. $400 million. It is illegal for private individuals to fund elections. He went in. Nobody said a word. And now he's saying, no, we're not going to do that again. Oh, but what they are going to do is still create grants to purchase election machines, voting machines, over the next four years. Why? Well, simple. You control the machine, you control the back end, you can control the election. Guarantee there'll be dominion. What we need, just like we have in Florida, the old paper ballots. You get a paper ballot, it's got the names on there, and you you fill it in towards the name with a little black pen or a black, black pencil. And then it's optically scanned. There's a permanent record of it. No problem. It's not one of these voting machines from Dominion where basically what happens is you hit a touch screen and it prints out a page where it's like a barcode. You don't even know who you voted for. Florida had the touch screens. There were no, after the the George Bush uh, Al Gore election back in, what was it, uh, 2000 election, they got rid of the touch screens within a couple of years because there was no paper trail. Now these touch screens operate where you touch it and then it prints a ballot, but you don't know what it's printed. And then they can go in and they can adjust depending on if there's an error or whatever they deem, they can go in and they can make adjustments. It's very simple. In Florida now, we have the paper ballots. You run it through an optical scanner. If there's any questions, they have the record of all the ballots. You can look at the ballots. The old paper, there's something to be said about that. 
The libs, the Democrats, the Biden regime, they're all scared shitless right now because they know that one of the election weapons they have could go away because Elon Musk will come in and say, we're opening it up, and I'm going to start getting rid of all these people that are censoring. You censor, you're out. We're going to open up the algorithm. We're going to show you everything. What does the Washington Post say? Democracy dies in darkness. So now Elon Musk is coming in saying, hey, I'm going to be democratic. I'm going to show you the algorithms. The algorithms will be exposed to sunlight for all to see. That is a good thing. I'm rooting for Elon Musk. I'm rooting for free speech. I'm rooting for the public's right to be heard, to state their opinions. So long as you're not threatening someone in a criminal manner, you have the right to your opinion. Whether you want to say, I think the Wuhan virus was contrived and it's a made-up figment of people's imagination like Martians, be my guest. That's not misinformation or disinformation. That's your opinion. If you have a cockamamie opinion, you still have a right to that opinion. If you're stupid, and we know half the, uh, the country is stupid, not us alphas, not us cigar connoisseurs, they have the right to be stupid. Opinions are essential to the way our democracy works. Forget what the Democrats say. Oh, this is going to be a threat to democracy, and this is going to be a chilling effect, a new threat, somebody that wants to come in and buy Twitter and open it up. There's no threat. Any physician, whether it's Fauci or government official, that thought somebody saying, hey, look, I don't believe in these vaccines. I think we need more research done. I think we need to learn more about this virus. We have therapeutics. That's not a threat. As a doctor, he should embrace that. Government officials should have embraced it and said, let's take a look at all options. But they didn't because they want to control the narrative. They want to control your life. And it's the same thing with Twitter. If you allow only one type of opinion on there and people who subscribe to Twitter on their timelines, that's all they see are the ultra leftists, that Trump is evil, Trump is colluding with Russia, all the bullshit that the Democrat Party and Hillary Clinton and Mark Elias spewed for umpteen years and with the backing of the fraudulent Bureau of Investigation and our deep state intelligence services... They did that over umpteen years. You see that? What are you going to start believing? You're going to say, oh, geez, wow, look at this. Oh, Trump's a Russian agent. It was all fabricated bullshit. They can say it, but by the same token, Republicans that say, no, that's bullshit. That's not true. They should have the right to be, to be heard as well. It's that simple. Americans don't need to be shielded from opinion. They can handle it. They're smart enough to figure out what's real and what's bullshit. It's the Democrats that believe the country and its population are stupid and can't figure it out for themselves. We know better. So, Elon Musk, I'm rooting for you. Take Twitter private and open up the algorithm. All right, lastly, let me talk about the Cigar Dave Officers Club. We did not have Officers Club selections for January, February, March. I stated to you why. Supply issues, manufacturers were backordered, they couldn't get bands, they had shipping issues. Cigars were an age. It was just one thing after another. Well, good news. We've got a very special selection of cigars for April. Now, they will not be shipped until late April. I'm letting you know that right now. But these are three new cigars coming from 
Casa Torrent, the Torrent family in Mexico. Great tobacco growers, great cigar manufacturers. Their, their San Andrean Moron wrapper, their Maduro, is amongst the most sought-after wrapper in the world. They have created three cigars that we're going to be sharing with you. Brand new cigars. First, the A. Torrent 75 Años. It is honoring Alberto Torrent on his 75th birthday. It was a special edition, initially just made for Mexico. Uses a five-year-old Maduro wrapper, medium to full-bodied. Then the A. Torrent Sixth Generations, honoring Alejandro Torrent Jr., the sixth generation of Torrent family heritage in the world of cigars. Habano, Colorado, Claro wrapper. Negro, San Andre, and Moron binder and filler. Crops come from 2006, the year of Alejandro's birthday. And it is a full-bodied cigar. So there's Alejandro Torrent and Alejandro Jr., his son. So it represents the sixth generation. Now we are going to also include the A. Torrent original, Habano Maduro wrapper, intense, full-bodied, 100% Habano San Andreas, strongest, most personality-filled cigar ever, all made with different cigar tobaccos grown on their farms in San Andreas, uh, Mexico using Cuban, San Andreas, and Negro seed tobaccos. So we've got for you one more time the A. Torrent 75 Años, the A. Torrent 6th Generation, and the A. Torrent Original. They make fabulous cigars. One of the great hidden secrets in the world of premium cigars. They're coming your way. If you're not a member of the Cigar Dave Officers Club, CigarDave.com, click on Officers Club. Now, right now, we're initially going to change the price in May. But as of June 1, it's $22.95 per month, but it is going to $25.95 per month for everyone on June 1st. That change is going to be made. So if you sign up now and you get in in time for the May selection, now this is the April selection I'm talking about, the three Torrent cigars. Those are for members that have already signed up that whose credit cards were billed on April 1st. But if you get in in time for May 1st, We'll be featuring a selection from Alec Bradley for May, $22.95 per month, but then it goes up for everybody to $25.95 per month. We haven't had a rate increase, I think, in 15-plus years. It is a steal, an absolute steal, because these cigars alone are worth about, I want to say, almost 30 bucks. So a steal can't go wrong. Go to CigarDave.com, click on Officers Club after a three-month hiatus, because of all the supply chain issues and back orders and printing issues, the Officers Club selection is back. So be patient. You will have them the end of the month. And we will be sending an email to all members about the rate increase. And included in the April selection, there will be an info insert. We will also have an insert talking about the rate increase. Again, going from $22.95 per month starting June 1 to $25.95 per month for everyone. Rate increase for everyone. If you don't want the rate increase... Cancel. Membership is month to month. We have no long-term contracts. But we know our members always tell us, hey, we're still stealing those cigars. $25.95 per month, it's still an absolute steal. So join the Officers Club. Glad that we will be shipping those cigars towards the end of April. All right, that does it for this edition of the Cigar Dave Show. Don't forget, make sure that you follow us on social media, talking about Twitter, at Cigar Dave Show. Facebook Cigar Dave, Instagram Cigar Dave, Getter at Cigar Dave. If you've got Getter, G-E-T-T-R. Make sure that you subscribe to the Cigar Dave Show podcast starting next week. We'll pick up our Bold Alpha podcast, our weekly spirit celebration with Tommy D. We've taken a hiatus on that. 
That is coming back as well. So you want to subscribe to that. Give us a five-star review. The enemies of pleasure are after us. You know they're after us. You know the enemies of pleasure, the pleasure police. They want to do everything they can to give us one-star reviews. We need your five-star reviews so that everybody can partake in the alpha male good life and alpha male pleasure maneuvers as we drop the Cigar Dave show every Saturday right around uh, late morning. And I did receive some emails. I'll share those next week. Some people had some comments saying they missed the live show. I missed the live show too. We're going to do some more Twitter hangouts so that, or whatever they call those, uh, Twitter spaces, so we can have live interaction in the evening. We will do more of those. That is my promise to you. Cigar Dave the General saying, Mayor Humidor always be full. Mayor Cutter always be sharp. Mayor Ashby extra, extra long. Semper delectation. Always pleasure. Long live the alpha. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. Save America. Elon Musk. Save Twitter. Happy Passover. Happy Easter. Happy holidays to all.